0: We are not going to finish the book of James tonight. In fact, we're not going to finish the book of James next week either. We will finish the book of James, but we just won't be in <laughs> these two weeks. Um, I just didn't want to rush past some of these things that I thought might be uh, effective, because once you get onto something uh, and spend some time with it, make it the focal point, I usually don't get back onto it making it a focal point for another year or two, so... We may also get all the things out of it that we would get out of a, out of uh, this being a focal point. So here in James chapter 5 verse 16, if you're up on Facebook, we gave you this question. What is an effective fervent prayer? If we can avail much with such praying, it would certainly help us to know just what James is referring to. So that's where we're going to spend most of our time tonight. We're also going to be looking at this part of confession, confessing to each other, what this has to do with with prayer in this context and I also asked you this question for you to ponder before tonight is faith or fervency more important than prayer he says here that the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much but there is no mention of faith so what is the the most important we know that obviously both are key ingredients but what is the most important ingredient in our in our prayer. Is it faith or is it fervency? And why is faith left off here? So James chapter 5 verse 15, the verse we left off with last time, and the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. I heard somebody who was referring to this and they caught the part of sick being one who is worn down, weary, so, and they, they stopped there. They just they kept it on weary and they went into all kinds of things. People who were sick of each other, weary of each other and, and just all sorts of stuff. Um, that's one reason why I like to go through the Word of God. Let's see how the Word of God handled it, not how people understand it. Cause, um, where he went with that was just not a place that I think the Word of God anywhere goes with that particular Word. But here he talks about if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Then he says, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now he just talked about the sins being forgiven if they were there. But here he says, Confess your trespasses. And the word that you're there is inserted, but it seems to come about. But basically it says, Confess trespasses to one another. And pray for one, one another that you may be healed. Now you'll notice that the word trespasses is different from the word sins. And also in the Greek it is different. In the, in the Greek, the word sins that we saw in the previous verse, verse 15, is the Greek word harmartia, which is to fall short. It is the general word for sins that is uh, talked about in the word of God. But here the word trespasses is the Greek word paraptoma, which means a side slip or a lapse or deviation, an unintentional error or a willful transgression. To fall, to fault, offense, sin, or trespass. Basically, it is a falling in some area of your life so this is, this is not hamartia, which was in the previous verse, which is a sin, an offense, or a sinful act. <clears throat> so this could be either an act of continual, uh, this could be either an act or a continual act of sin or wrongful thinking. This is what it could be. It could be an act or a continual act of sin or wrong thinking. It could also refer to something done accidentally. I didn't mean to do it. Accidentally, I did this. This is what this word can mean. Now, the word confess means to to declare, to say out loud, to exclaim, to divulge, or to blurt out. To blurt out. It It is not the confessing here that brings a change. This is the the thing that's involved. In In the other verse, the prayer of faith was the one that healed, uh, that brought that person to healing. And if there were any sins, they would have been forgiven him. In this one, we're not seeing that. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So there are trespasses. There are things that we can do to each other. Why is this verse talking about confessing to one another? Now, what happens with this is a lot of times we take this thing of confession and we go in areas where it really doesn't belong some churches have people that you confess to a clergy member and if you confess to a clergy member then they absolve you they get you to do certain things and these things are brought about this verse has nothing to do with that I really don't know of any place in the Bible where it talks about that but again a lot of churches around we practice things that are not necessarily in the word But they have become things that we have done or traditions that we have done. Some may be harmful, some may not. But here, he's talking about confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. So we're talking about things that are a side slip. Basically a lapse or a deviation. Something that I don't do on a regular basis or maybe I do do it on a regular basis. It may be unintentional, it may be intentional. It may be a thought that keeps coming to my mind that's a wrong thought, but I seem to be plagued with it. He says in this particular instance, if we confess to one another, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. There are some of these things that come upon us. There's some, some wrong thinking and it can get in our head and it seems to continue to go on. And a lot of times we feel guilty because of the th- wrong thinking. We're just taking one aspect of it here. We feel guilty because of that wrong thinking. Therefore, there's no way I can tell anybody about this because I feel guilty about having these thoughts. I need to stop these thoughts. I need to stop thinking this way about people. I need to stop thinking this way about certain situations. I need to get a handle on this and stop thinking in this in this particular way about people. Maybe it's just evil thoughts that we have or suspicious thoughts Or whatever it might be. But we know, I know this is wrong. I know I shouldn't be doing this. I know this is not loving my brother. I know this is not thinking the best. But I keep going into these situations. And so the tendency is we want to cover them up and keep them held down. I don't want anybody else to know that this is going on. I'm going to keep this myself. And I'm going to to have the victory over this. I'm going to knock this thing out. We're embarrassed by it. We We don't want it. Maybe other people do see it. I try and keep those uh occurrences when it does happen away because there's, there's there's some shame in there, in with this. But the enemy, in order to get us under this and keep us under this, he piles the shame on top of us. And even sometimes, as believers, I can discuss things. Well, can you? Did you hear what so and so did? Oh, I can't believe that anybody would do that. And if anyone was having thoughts like that, or certainly even actions, they would feel too embarrassed to talk to anyone about it. But here he says, "...confess your trespasses to one another, and pray for one another that you may be healed." If you want to get over that thing that keeps plugging you, that keeps coming against you, that keeps affecting your actions, that keeps affecting your thoughts, there's a, there's a power to it, and that power is simply in confessing one to another." I do not and you do not have the power to extend the forgiveness to that person. That's not what we're looking at here. He is not talking about how we can get forgiveness because the other places in the word of God tell us how to get forgiveness. If I have hamartia, if I have sin in my life, I know from the word of God that I confess my sins to the father. I go before Jesus Christ, my advocate. And that's where that is that is brought about. But here, how do I get over this from affecting my life here in this place? And so there's a there's a way for us to get over that, and that is the confessing of things to to each other. So it is not the confessing that brings a change here, but the involvement of someone trustworthy that helps. This is what we need to do. It's not the confessing that brings a change here. It's the involvement of someone trustworthy that helps. Now, when you get into this, Confess your trespasses to one another. I, he doesn't say this here, but I think you can read this into it pretty pretty well. Make sure that this is someone that, that is trustworthy, that is on your side, that is not going to try and use this thing to bring more shame upon you or uh, make you feel more poorly than you already do. This needs to be somebody in your court, somebody who is helpful and someone who doesn't go around gossiping about the thing you confess to them. So these actions and thoughts survive best under the cover of darkness. These actions and these thoughts, they survive best under the cover of darkness. And so the enemy wants these things under the cover of darkness. So he piles shame on the people that, they, that are going through this so that they won't talk about it to anyone. They keep quiet about it. They keep silent. They keep trying to fight this on their own, but they're not having success. They're not having uh, a win here. Exposing them to others helps bring what was in darkness to light. When I can take what is going on on the inside, I'm having these these thoughts every time I see this go on. I have these thoughts about the the people. I have these thoughts about the people that are saying these things, and um, we confess these to one another. Well, now I brought it out into the light. Just bringing it out into the light a lot of times can help bring us bring us to the place of victory. So, exposing them the thoughts. The actions, whatever it might be, to others helps bring what was in darkness to light. This brings us freedom, not forgiveness. This brings us freedom, not forgiveness. There is nothing in here about forgiveness. It is about being set free from these things that plagued us, from these things that are, that are these trespasses, these, these shortcomings that are in our life. These things. I know I shouldn't be involved in this. I know that I shouldn't think this way. I know that this shouldn't be going on, but this is what's happening. And you need to have some people in your life that you can confess that to. So he starts off with that. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another. So once someone has confessed this to you, don't go around talking about them. Pray for them. Be in prayer for them. When you're in prayer for that person... Then you come on up and you find some quiet moments, sometimes when they're they're isolated and say, hey, how's it going in this area? How are we doing? Oh, I'm doing great. I really appreciate you following up with me. But uh, boy, things have been just since I've been able to talk to somebody about it and bring it out of the darkness, bring it into the light. I'm doing a whole lot better with this. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, fervent here comes from the word we get our word energy from it means to be active efficient to do to be effectual or fervent to be mighty in show forth uh, to show forth self or work effectively in we get both of these words the effective fervent prayer the effective fervent all come from the same word they put both of those words in there so that we would understand what was going on so effective you won't find a word that's translated effective you'll find a word ...that is translated here, fervent, and they put the word effective in there just to help you understand what is meant. But the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. This word fervent is used 21 times in the New Testament. 21 times we're going to see this in the New Testament. I'm going to read to you many of them. Because I want you to get a chance to see what this verse is showing... And how this word is used in the New Testament by the people who used it during this day. In Matthew 14, 2, and said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He is risen from the dead. And therefore, these powers are at work in him. What they're saying here is they're they're trying to figure out who is this Jesus? Who is this guy here? This is John the Baptist. He is risen from the dead. John's dead. He is risen from the dead. And therefore, these powers are at work in him. They're saying that Jesus is empowered in this way because John the Baptist has come back from the dead, and he has empowered Jesus. He is he is working effectively, fervently in Jesus, and that is why Jesus has these things going on. There's other places where this exact scripture is being used. We're not going back, and, and, and but part of the 21, I believe, uh, another one or two of them is used just just exactly the same verse, just in other gospels. Romans 7, 5. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. That word, their work, is our word here. Again, for when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members. They were at work. They were effectively, fervently working in us, but they were empowered by something. Something came along and gave them power in our life, but they were working in our life to bring about death. 1 Corinthians twelve six, and there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But one, well, sorry, there, yeah, there are diversity of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. It is God who works, this is the word here, who works in us. It's not just us out there doing it. God empowers us. God works in us. In verse eleven, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing each one individually as He wills. So here we see it is the Spirit that is working these things in us. Galatians two eight for He who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to, to the circumcised also worked effectively in me toward the Gentiles. For He who is the He, well, it's the Spirit. For he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the circumcised also worked effectively in me toward the Gentiles. He says, I'm being made effective, I'm being made fervent in the the work that I'm doing because of the Holy Spirit who comes up on the inside of me and empowers me. Galatians 3, 5. Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you. See, it's not us doing the miracles, it's someone in us who empowers us who is doing the miracles by the works of law, or by the hearing of faith. For in Christ Jesus, the Galatians 5, 6, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. Faith working through love. So it is a faith working in us through love. There is an empowerment that comes to us. There's something behind the empowerment. Ephesians 1, 11 and verse 20. Verse 11 says this, In him also... We have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So he is in the process of doing the work. He is working all things. So we may see things going on, but he is in the process of working those things. Verse 20, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. He worked in Christ. God the Father worked in Christ Jesus the Son. Ephesians two two, In which you once walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. The sons of disobedience are not there on their own. They actually have the prince of darkness working in them. The kingdom of darkness is at work in them. Same word that is being used here. Ephesians 3.20 Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. We are made effective, we are made fervent by the power that works in us. Philippians 2.13 For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Going through all the uses of this, not quite all 21, but pretty close to it. I think only left out three. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. God works in you. God works in you. There's an empowering that comes in you. Colossians 1.29, to this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. His working, which works in me mightily. Again, his work, his empowerment, which works in me, which empowers me. 1 Thessalonians 2.13, for this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as... But it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. That word works in you. That word doesn't just sit there. He's saying it's it's in you and it's working. It's empowering. Second Thessalonians 2 and verse 7. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. So there is the mystery of lawlessness, which is at work. It is in the world right now. It is energizing. It is empowering certain things. But the church is here, which is hindering that, which is keeping that back. Not the Holy Spirit, as some people want to try and say. It is the church who does until he is taken out of the way. Now, a slightly different version of this word. It's just, uh, I think it's really just a noun, verb, adjective, stuff like that. But in First Corinthians 16, 8 9, But I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost for a great an effective door has opened to me. That word effective there is our same word, just slightly different. Uh, adjective as compared to, uh, I guess, a, a verb or uh, something like that, uh, English parts of speech, not as familiar with them. <laughs> but I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost. For a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversities. So many things are coming against him. There is a door, this door is an effective door. This door is open, he needs to walk through it, he needs to go through it, and in doing so, opportunities are going to be there. Things are going to be empowered as he gets to go through this door and begins to work in this thing. So he says again, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So that prayer, as we see in in here, it is effective, it is fervent, because it is working something. It is not just a standalone. It is working something. That's the thing we need to see. So, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So, just as the Holy Spirit works in us to empower us, we, as a righteous person, are working something. We are bringing about something. So the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now the word here righteous is, basic, is the basic word for in the Bible for righteous. It means innocent, holy, righteous is used 81 times like I gave you two instances here, Matthew 9:13, but go and learn what this means I desire mercy and not sacrifice for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You see the people that have already repented already come into the family, they don't need to be called again, but certain other ones do the sinners do. So that's what this word righteous is talking about. It's not meaning that we have to be perfect. It's not saying righteous and that you are perfect because most of us wouldn't qualify then to do what James is talking about. Galatians 3.11 But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. For the just or the righteous shall live by faith. So we live by faith. We are righteous people in that way. So we are righteous people not because of our perfection, not because we have hit a certain state of maturity, but because I have accepted the work of Jesus Christ in me, I have accepted the work of Jesus Christ to redeem me, thereby I have righteous standing with the Father. That's all we need according to James here to fit this, fit this bill. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now the person praying needs to be in right standing in order to be able to qualify. So you can't be backsliding. You can't be going after your own thing. You have to be going after the things of God. You have to be pursuing the things of God. We don't have to be perfect in it. But that needs to be the direction that we go. If I am de- deliberately, willfully, going out of the will of God, I don't know that I would qualify to be able to do this. Whatever it is that he's talking about here. So, a veil here means to be strong Able, forceful, to prevail. Be strong, able, forceful, and to prevail. This is what this word would mean. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man is strong, is able, is forceful, and prevails. So what this is showing you, avail, avails much, is when using this word is talking about someone who is in, in a position of strength. They are strong. They are prevailing, which means they are coming against something. They're coming against something that is pushing back to them. But it says that they are strong. It says they are able. It has this word in the definition. It is They are forceful. There is a force that they exert against the thing that is coming against them. And they will prevail in it. So he's saying this. The effective... Fervent prayer of a righteous man avails, prevails, you can put that word in there too, prevails against the adversary. Because there's a battle that's going, that is going being depicted here when you bring this word in. Be strong, be able, be forceful, prevail. Another definition for this is to have or exercise force. To have or exercise force. To be able, to avail, that we can do, that uh, we would be of strength. Vines puts this note on it, to be strong, to prevail indicates a more forceful strength or ability than dunamai. It's not the word dunamai, but it is one of those words, one of those power words. To be strong, to prevail indicates a more forceful strength or ability than dunamai. So, if it is God's will for a thing to happen, why is it that we have to have prayer in this way? Now again, I t- um, gave you the hint here This before, the word faith is left out of this place. The word faith is not there. Now we're going to spend more time next week on Elijah and some other situations where we see this thing going through. But I wanted us to get a full understanding of what, This these words convey to us about this before we get into that. Now, why pray fervently? Elijah said that he prayed seven times. Now, when he prayed seven times, and uh, we'll just read those verses here. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain and the earth. Was it God's will for there not to be any rain. Well, if we, we'll go back to the story when we see it next week, but we, we know from the story that God came to him and said, There will be no, go tell Ahab, there will be no rain on the earth except at your word. Because he went to Ahab and he said, There will be no rain on the earth except at my word. So Elijah had to give the word. Not God, apparently. Elijah had to give the word. Now Elijah's going to get the word from God, we, we would assume. And uh, he doesn't just do things on his own. But that's how he was supposed to portray it. We don't have him praying that there would not be any rain. But apparently he did pray that there would not be any rain. Now, if it is the will of God for there not to be any rain, why does he have to pray and why does he have to pray earnestly that there would be no rain? Now, we have, a, we have the end part of the story in the word of God, where he prayed seven times that it would rain. Now God said, it's going to rain. I'm going to send rain now. So it's the will of God that rain would now come. It was the will of God that rain would stop. It is the will of God that rain would come. We're not praying earnestly because we don't know the will of God. Because the will of God is known. God revealed it. God told it to him. We're not praying earnestly to try to move the hand of God because God already said that he would do it. So this gives us light as to what this is talking about because this verse is used in areas where you cannot use it because of what is being said here. Notice the absence of faith. He does not say the effective fervent prayer of a faith-filled person avails much. He leaves that out. He says, a person in right standing with God, when they fervently pray about this thing, they will avail much. They And again, go over that word avail. To be strong, to be able, to be forceful, or to prevail. There is a forcefulness, there is a use of strength that is in this. When we use the prayer of faith, we come against things and it's not so much the strength that we're coming with, it's the authority. Faith has to do with the authority of God. A lot of times we still, yeah, you know, we, we know what, what the Word of God teaches us. We know that Jesus did not pray to God that anyone would be healed. He spoke to the sickness and disease. We know that, but when we get in the throes of things, very often we fall back on what we've always done, which is that, oh God, please heal me. Oh God, please heal this one. Instead of speaking to the situation. We've gone through the word of God and we've shown you in all the different miracles. How many times have we gone through the miracles in the Bible? And each time we show you, there's no prayer to God. No one prayed to God. No one asked God to do anything. What they did was they spoke to it. They spoke to fevers. They spoke to the sickness. They spoke to the person. Rise up. They spoke to the demon spirit. They spoke to these things. So we know in these situations, they spoke to it. We don't have the idea that there is a forcefulness from them in the situation. They just stood their ground and in authority they exercised it. The centurion knew this about Jesus and he said, you say to this one, go and he goes. This one, come and he comes. All you need to do is say the word and my servant will be healed. Because he knows whatever it is that's affecting him has to go because Jesus has authority. So there is not that availing much in these in these scriptures. Because there's no force, there's no strength that's being exercised. It's authority. And authority is different from strength. But here, very much it is the strength that is brought about. So it even says in verse 17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth. So it just says he prayed again. doesn't sound like there was a whole lot of a battle but we know that he had gone and he prayed, sent his servant, go see. The servant went out and came back said there's nothing. So he prayed more. And he, go see. And this will happen seven times. Seven times he sends a servant out. And when the servant came back and said, nope, there's nothing there, then uh, he prayed some more. Now, if faith is the issue... In the example that he brings up here with Elijah, why is he praying seven times for this same thing? If it's a faith issue, isn't it supposed to be one time and done? When Jesus spoke to the fig tree, did he keep saying to the fig tree? No, he said to the fig tree, be cursed. And he cursed the fig tree. And the next day they came by and the fig tree was dead. That was an authority thing. There was faith that was involved in that. If we're going to pray in faith. I need to believe. That when I made the prayer. When I made the request. When I said the thing. That I did receive it. But we don't see that going on. In the example of Elijah. Elijah he prayed earnestly. And then sent his servant. Because he thought I guess. I think we might have success here. Go see. And he went on out. And he saw. Nope nothing in the in the sky. And so, he came on back, reported that. So, Elijah goes into prayer again, and he prays earnestly. There's a force that is being exercised by Elijah, and he goes out again, nothing. So, he goes back into prayer again, and what seems to be is that it's more the force that is involved with Elijah than the faith that is involved with Elijah. So this type of prayer that he's talking about does not involve our faith. It involves the force that works on the inside of us that comes out and that we get involved and become part of the force that's bringing this thing about. So it is the will of God we know for there not to be any rain. It is the will of God that the rain would come. And Elijah was called on both the situations to make these prayers. And so he did. Because he says in, in verse 17, And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. We're not privy to that. We don't have that in the account. They apparently knew it, but we don't know it from the scriptures. But apparently Elijah went, went out and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. Now, we know how he prayed earnestly that it would rain. He prayed, Go out and see if there's any clouds in the sky or whatever you ask him to look for. And he comes back, there's nothing. What was he looking for for when he was praying earnestly that it would not rain, or did he continually pray that it would not rain for the full three and a half years? You see, on the on the second one, he was able to see we got a breakthrough. When that little tiny cloud showed up, we got a breakthrough. All right, so here, here it is. We've, we broke through. But there is apparently a breakthrough that he had needed to get through on the other one. Does he ever just... Not get there? Just keep it up for the three and a half years? All we know is that he prayed earnestly. That he exerted a lot of force into this. But apparently he didn't exert faith. Because that's not being spoken of. That's not talked about. He was in right standing with God. He knew what the will of God was. And he prayed to exert force to do so. So what we have here is the situation... That we could be in. Where sometimes it is not our faith. That is the issue. It is our. Earnestness. It is the strength. That we portray in this. And the strength. That we portray. Is against an opposing force. What is the opposing force. It cannot be God. Because we know it's the will of God. For this to occur. So the opposing force. What do you have to come from? People, fallen people, people that are of the kingdom of darkness or from the kingdom of darkness itself. And there will be a clash of the, of the force. It's kind of like the picture you get in a football game when you have a defensive lineman up against an offensive lineman. And they exert force against each other. And they're trying to, through force, begin to, the defense wants to penetrate the line and get into the backfield To break up the play. The offensive guy wants to exert force to push the defensive line away from the play. And so there's a clash of force and we watch the the game and we see who it is that that wins. It's amazing that in a football game, if the defensive player is able to be successful on two or three plays in the game, he'll be seen as a star. If he gets one... if he gets to the quarterback once or twice for a sack, oh, people are thrilled. I mean, how many plays are there in a football game? There's a lot of plays. All he has to do is come through on one, two, three, four. I mean, he's in the, involved in other plays too. He's making tackles and stuff. But his goal is to get into the backfield, to go against the force that's coming against him, to get into the backfield and to disrupt what the enemy, in their case, the enemy wants to do, which is the offense. For the defense, the offense is always the enemy. For the offense, the defense is always the enemy. And you're trying to accomplish your purpose even though the defense is trying to come in and, and, and cut it off and not allow that to go on. So is faith or fervency more important in prayer? You see, this is going to depend on the type of prayer that we're doing. If we are doing a prayer of faith where we are asking God for something where we are believing God for something where we have found that the word of God has promised me certain things these are promises that are made to me I can use the prayer of faith not the prayer of fervency if I use the prayer of fervency where the prayer of faith is I will fail I'm not going to be successful because I do not need to exert force Against my God to get him to do the thing that we need him to do. But there are some areas of prayer that we will fi- find ourselves. Now in James chapter 1 verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. And it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let him ask in faith. We need to ask in faith. We need to be believing. I need to know, this is what God said he would do. I'm asking. I'm not going to waver. I'm not going to be double-minded. I'm going to believe that the thing I asked for is coming about. But we don't see that in the life of Elijah. We don't see that when he goes after this uh, this thing of... Of no rain. Now it would seem. Faith is what makes us effective. Where God's promises. For us are involved. Faith is what makes us effective. Where God's promises for us. Are involved. There are areas of scripture. Where God has promised. Things for us. He's written in there. And said we as believers. These things will come to them that believe. These things will come to them that and a list of things if we do these particular things this is what will come when i see that god said that if i do this he would do that i believe that god would do it and that's it when um when paul had the viper that bit him and he shook it off into the fire they had the word of god that says that if they take up deadly serpents they shall not hurt them and so he just shook it off and didn't think anything about it And he just, uh, he just went on. He, there was no fervency in any prayer. He doesn't come after this with any strength or any force to try and push something away. He just believes and receives. So the prayer of faith believes and receives because of the promises that God has given us. But here, fervency, it would seem that fervency is needed where God's plans against what the enemy is doing is to be brought about. It would seem that fervency is needed where God's plans against what the enemy is doing is to be brought about. So God says, this is what I plan against the enemy. Now the enemy is going to push back against that. The enemy doesn't want that to happen. So as the enemy pushes back against that, I need people that will push back against what the enemy is doing here in this earth. Elijah, I need you to step up. You're going to need to, to pray and to intercede and to do some things. And we're going to look at, when we, when we spend some time in this, we're going to take a look at some other places in the Scripture where this fervency was used by others beside Elijah so that we can get an idea for this. But when this is being used, when this fervency is going on, I, it, it, there's a plan of God. God has said, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to accomplish. Now, here's the plan. Now, the enemy is going to try and come against it here. We need to recognize where the plan of God is, what God has in the plan, and join forces with it. And then there we have the fervency. When God gave his plans for the nation, people needed to pray with a fervency, not just faith. Not simply say, well, we'll just believe God that this is where it's going to be. No, there's an enemy that's coming against that situation. I need to get involved and pray with the fervency not to move God, but to come against what the enemy is trying to do. And this is what Elijah did. Apparently, the enemy didn't want there not to be any rain on the earth because God said it. When God said it, it made it public to the king there will not be any rain. All the devil has to do now is bring about rain and he has disqualified God's word to the king. Well, see, he can't even make it not rain. Can't even do that. So, God's no good. And then when when he said the rain is coming, now the devil says, oh, no, it's not. <laughs> There's no rain coming here. And he does whatever it is that he's able to do is, uh, is on this earth to keep the rain from coming. And so, God, God says, Elijah, I need you to get on board here. You need to pray against this thing from coming about. From the, the rain from, from falling that the devil wants to try and send to make, make him look more powerful than God. Moses faced some of these things with the plagues because the, the other uh, wizards and so forth, they came up and they wanted to do the same thing to try and persuade people but there was a greater force on Moses' side and even when they tried to duplicate the snakes well, his, Moses the snake ate up their snakes you'll notice though that when Elijah had the people who came up to him and they said come on down from there the king wants you and he said well if I'm a man of God may fire come down and burn you up and so fire came down and burned them up there was no fervency on that part he wasn't being fervent in prayer there. He just had faith. He just spoke it out and it came. You see, prayer is going to be one way or the other. You're either going to have... And there's, there's other ways besides this. But we're just looking at these two particular things. There's going to be the prayer of faith in which I ask, I believe, and I receive. Then there's going to be the prayer of fervency where God has displayed His will. This is what we want to accomplish. Now we need to be fervent and we need to be in prayer to bring this about Because obviously, if we are not, then something else will be brought about. There can be, God can have plans for our nation. He can have plans for the nation of Israel. He can have plans for other nations. He's had other plans for nations in history. And God will say, this is the plan. And just know, if God has a plan, guess what the enemy has? He has got a plan as well. And so what he needs is his The people on his side, you all need to get together, understand what the plan of God is, and be fervent to exercise strength in the prayers and push back. That's what Elijah did. He pushed back against the forces of darkness, and for three and a half years, it did not rain. If you're wondering what in the world did Elijah do for three and a half years while he was over there eating with the widow... I I have the a feeling he was fervently praying. It was a thing he came out to every single day. It will not rain. He wasn't in Israel at the time. Apparently, he didn't need to be in Israel. You don't need to be in a place where that thing is going on. But he prayed earnestly, and it did not rain for three and a half years. And then he prayed earnestly. We'll take a closer look at this next next week when we get to it he prayed earnestly and then that small speck, once he saw that small speck of cloud, he took off. Why? Because it broke through. Whatever the enemy had up, whatever he put up there as force, it broke through. We've heard many things that have gone on in this country over the years. These are the plans that God has. These are the plans that are going on. Brother Hagen had a word of prophecy many years ago. In which he talked about how the church needed to stand up against the, the darkness that was coming across the oceans. He saw the oceans and he saw the darkness. He saw the, I think he saw frogs. He saw them as frogs that were coming over. And we needed to stand against them. And if not, God was going to hold the church accountable because the will of God was known, but the church didn't pray fervently. That was not a player time for a prayer of faith. Well, just stand and believe. There are many times that Christians have sided with plans that were against God. They were not praying fervently for the plans that God revealed and said, "This is what I want done." They they came against it, and they'll have to answer for those kind of things. I, they don't answer to me, <laughs> but they'll answer to somebody uh, because we don't we don't do that. There is a fervency in prayer, and and certainly we see that. In our day, in days in the past, we've, we've seen these kind of things going on. Where God says, I have a plan. This is what I want to be brought about. But just because God has a plan, there still seems to be some fervency that is needed. So now that we got the, the wording and the doctrine here taken out, we're going to spend next week and we're going to take a look at some examples in scripture so that we can see this. Because it's not, it's not good if we just, if we learn something that isn't done in scripture. This needs to be done in more places than just Elijah or we're not going to be able to learn about all that this is. So that's why we're going to spend a little bit more extra time with it. And in the little bit of time we have left, we won't be able to um, really do it justice on the the other parts and the other, other plans that are there. But I want you to see this. There is a fervency that needs to be on. We don't just sit on back and say, well, if God wants that to be so, then he'll make it so. No, that's not what God teaches. That's not what God shows us in his word. We need to find out what are the plans of God. What is it that God wants to accomplish? And we need to get on that side and pray fervently. Not pray, well, I just believe God that it will be that way. That is the wrong kind of prayer. It is prayers of ignorance. and It is not prayers based upon study. What James is talking about is the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. You will accomplish much against the enemy's darkness, against the enemy's plans. And that's what we need to do. Father, I thank you for the kinds of prayers that we can exercise, that we can walk in. That there is strength that we exert against the forces of the enemy when we pray as James is teaching us to pray right here. As Elijah prayed in the Old Testament and as others prayed at different times in the scriptures. I thank you for the wisdom that you give us in learning about this thing so that we can be on the side of God and not the side of the enemy. That we can be one of those who is exerting strength against what the enemy is wanting to do and not standing on the sidelines saying, well, whatever God wants, whatever God wills, let it be done. And I thank you that you give us the wisdom to know where to stand. Give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen.